Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. week's edition of Alaskwatch. We are back. We are here with our highly anticipated review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, if you have not seen the movie, <clears throat> which it's been out for a couple weeks now, so it's it's gonna, you know, you've had a chance to see it. So if you uh, don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to this until after you've seen it. So stop, this is your warning because we're going to spoil the heck out of it. So, um, this is your this is your spoiler warning, right now. Uh, other than that, uh, in the studio with me again this week is Mrs. Legume, aka the old lady, aka my bride. Hi everybody. And we went to see the movie uh, Crypticon weekend Sunday after we packed everything up and uh, we went out to a nice dinner, which is our conference uh, tradition. And then we went and uh, watched uh, Ghostbusters in IMAX there in Lexington. And we, um, I've actually seen it twice now. Uh, I went up to Anchorage this weekend. I had to pick up some stuff. Uh, we've got some family that are moving out of state. <clears throat> uh, they wanted to uh, give us some stuff to, to hold on to for them and also give us some stuff that they couldn't get rid of before they moved. So I went up there to Anchorage to pick that up. And it just so happens that during that time frame i was up there uh, my brother-in-law had a private screening of ghostbusters he had rented a theater out for him and his friends and he had a couple extra seats so i got to tag along and go so i have seen it twice now uh you you've only seen it once yeah only. that's okay only seen it once. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, i think we've we've probably talked enough about it that uh you know it's still pretty fresh in our minds and i mean i think in in my in my case, it's safe to say that if it wasn't for the original Ghostbusters, uh, I, there's a good chance I might not be sitting here talking. Ha- I might not have this podcast uh, because it was one of the things that kind of got me interested in paranormal, unexplained, you know, strange phenomena, stuff like that, which led to Bigfoot, of course. So <clears throat> Ghostbusters is one of my big inspirations. And... You know, it's, it meant a lot to me growing up as a kid. I had a bunch of the toys. I always watched the cartoons, stuff like that. So I was always a really huge fan of it. And um, I have an unpopular opinion of the 2016 Ghostbusters uh, with the female cast that it was not as terrible as everybody says it is. And I'll, I'll mention why here a little bit later in, in the, the review of Ghostbusters Afterlife, why I feel that way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna talk about this movie today. So Okay. So I think first we should mention, uh, of course, the original was 1984. 1984. Um, Of course, all the cast members, for the most part, were members of Saturday Night Live. They're comedians. Um, So the best thing about the original Ghostbusters is the use of practical effects was amazing. All the ghosts look different. That's one thing I loved about the original. And that is one of my pet peeves about the 2016 is all the ghosts look exactly the same. That bothered me. But... The characters all had different senses of humor. They all had a sense of humor, but they were all different. And I thought they 
just worked off each other really, really well. We just watched the original Ghostbusters just the other day. Um, you can put it on at any time and you never get tired of it. Um, and sometimes every once in a while I'll notice little things I didn't notice before. It happens every once in a while with movies and you, you've seen them a hundred times, but you really pay attention to them at a particular moment and you notice something or maybe you it hits you differently because you're older now. Like as a kid, you know, you didn't really notice the adult humor in it, but... So the original Ghostbusters, of course, is always going to be king, like with most movies. The original is always the best, but um, this one is a continuation. It's not a reboot. Um, it's not a, a remake. It's a continuation. So um, it opens up, though, with uh, this farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. What was the state they were in? Oklahoma. Were, Oklahoma. Of course it was Oklahoma. <laughs> <clears throat> And it opens up with this farmhouse at night. You see um, what looks like a trap go off on this mountainside. You know, this big mountain, there's the beam of the trap. And then uh, a car goes racing through the cornfield. And, um, of course, you, based on the trailers and everything you've heard, you know this is Egon um, that's there in the car. But um, did you know what entity was coming after him? Because I thought it was one of the the dogs no um i didn't i didn't know and i don't think they, they didn't give us enough information i don't think to know not at that point but later on i guess when we get there when you rethink about it i thought that that was one of the dogs coming after um him because he had captured one of the other dogs but i guess we'll talk about that later but that's the opening scene is basically um egon is in oklahoma at this farmhouse and um he's trapped a ghost and uh uh, it's about him uh, basically battling this other ghost to try to to keep it from freeing its friend, I guess. I don't know. What's your impression of the opening scene? It was creepy. Yeah, it had the, a really creepy atmosphere about it. It was it was good, and uh, it wasn't super scary. I mean, the, the original Ghostbusters had kind of an element of horror to it. Um, but uh, I think this was probably the scariest part of the movie probably uh, I would agree. And it was a lot of you know a lot of unknown like you don't really see what's coming or you know you can't you can't a lot of unknown uh suspense yeah uh and then basically the scene ends with uh you know egon well, we don't know what's egon at the time but we know it's egon everybody yeah they don't tell us we know i mean if you watch the trailers i think you would know it was egon um slumped over in his chair basically deceased and then it cuts to uh, a family. We meet. Well, you missed an important part. What? What's the What's the device they have in their hand? I don't know. A all PKE the meter. Okay. After Egon slumps over in the chair, what goes off underneath the chair? The PKE. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I love the movie, but I don't know all the terms for all the gadgets. The PKE meter uh, starts to go off. So my first thought is, okay, he's a ghost. Yeah. Is that what? That's what you thought too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So that was a little key component. The PKE meter uh, goes off. So then it cuts to uh, we meet the the new family the the uh, what's his name Finn Wolf Wolfhard yeah um, the Phoebe I can't remember her name McKenna Grace I've McKenna never Grace. seen her in anything else before and then uh, their mom Carrie Coon <clears throat> um, and basically they're getting kicked out of their apartment you know we get a really qu- quick introduction to them uh, you know Phoebe's good with science she's like rewiring the apartment. Uh, What's her, what's Finn's name? Trevor. Trevor. Trevor is uh, watching videos about cars. You, you know, while his mom. They're definitely yeah. establishing the skills yeah. of these kids. Yeah. So and, and then, mom's a basket case. And then mom can't pay her rent, and 
gets evicted. And then they move to uh, Oklahoma, to Somerville is the name of the town. Mm-hmm. And they're under the impression, the kids are under the impression they're just going to go, you know, settle, settle, settle up the estate and, and then get back to their lives. And mom kind of drops the revelation on them like, uh, we can't go back. We got evicted. We're going to have to stay here until, you know, we can get back on our feet. And uh, I, I feel so. So we're basically Egon's given this instant family uh, that we had no indication, you know, existed. Uh, they're at the house. Janine comes in. Janine from the first movie, the secretary, the Ghostbusters secretary, uh, introduces herself. Because when she first walked in, and I, I, I thought there for a minute there was going to be a moment where uh, the the mother, the Carrie, mm-hmm. looks at her and goes, you know, Mom, what the hell's going on? And that wasn't what we got. <clears throat> and Janine basically, you know, they basically were like, who the hell are you? And she's like, I was a friend, you know, I helped, um, I helped your father pay his bills and blah, blah, blah. And so that was kind of any, any basically uh, shipping of, of Janine and Egon gets thrown out right there. And so I'm like, okay, well, if Janine's not her mom then who the hell is her mom? And we never, we never learned that spoilers. And there's no pictures or anything like that that gives us any idea. And also something that I've kind of pieced together from, because I've seen the movie twice and I've also watched a couple of videos on it and, you know, read up on some things. And from what I understand, for these characters to be the age they are right now, if the movie takes place right now, uh, the mother of the two kids in the movie, she would have had to have been born during Ghostbusters 2. So apparently during Ghostbusters 2, Egon had a family and we never were never introduced to him. They never mentioned him. Um, so I thought, and apparently Ghostbusters 2, because a lot of people were saying, well, Ghostbusters 2 must not have happened because they don't mention it in the movie. They do mention New York. They mention Gozer. You know, they show footage from the end of the first movie where they climb up on Dana Barrett's uh, building and, you know, fight Gozer. But they never mention anything about, um, what's what was his name? Vigo? Yeah. yeah. It's Vigo. Yeah, they never mention Vigo. They never mention the museum. Sigourney uh, Weaver's baby. Oscar. Oscar no, none of that stuff is mentioned. Although there are, from what I, I don't, and I looked and the second time I saw it, I didn't see any. Apparently there are Easter eggs from the second ghost. The toaster, the dancing toaster is somewhere in the farmhouse. I never saw it. Uh, I didn't know to look for it the first time. I did the second time. I still looked for, I looked for it. Still couldn't find it. Um, so, but if Ghostbusters 2's canon, then that means that, um, Janine and Lewis Tully were probably together or at least for a while. So that might explain why she's not with Egon, but it still doesn't explain who this girl's mother is and how long were her and Egon together? Why were, you know, nothing, none of that is explained, which I mean, to be fair, to be fair, we never really get into Ray or Winston's love life either. The only one that has any kind of love life is Peter. So, I mean. Yeah, but they're producing a family. They're producing a family that we're supposed to care about. Yeah. And it's the family of Egon, someone who could barely speak to a woman, get alone sleep with one. Only thing I could think of is that he did an experiment. And that's what his daughter is, is some kind of experiment. Or he donated sperm. But it's it's a little weird to give Egon a family, yet not really tell us 
where did they come from? Because there must have been a woman involved. Who's the woman? So, yeah, they kind of... I call that lazy writing. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, oh, well, who cares? Well, I feel... I mean, because the original OG Ghostbusters are still alive. They can throw them on the screen and, and, you know, whatever. Talk about them. Explain about them. Uh, Harold Ramis is dead. I think he died... Was it 2014? Something like that. Uh, So, basically, the only way to get him back into the movie is probably to introduce a family uh a connection that he has so i mean this is what they decided to do uh i didn't per se have a problem with any of the characters i actually thought the kids uh trevor was a little annoying but not super annoying uh there's a line in one of the trailers where when the, the house is shaking and he, they like get, and he goes, remember that summer we died under a table or something like that? And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be, he's going to be so annoying. He's going to, but I think that was probably the most annoying thing he said. Um, and Phoebe, I thought was really well done. Uh, I enjoyed her character. I enjoyed a lot of, there was only one scene that I'm sure you'll mention because I don't think you, I think you had a problem with it that we'll get into. But uh, I didn't find the, the kids to be super annoying, which is the case in a lot of, movies with kid protagonists i would i would agree yeah a lot of times when you had kids in older movies in the 80s and 90s the kids would usually actually be high schoolers like older so you wouldn't find them as annoying um traditionally we don't like small children we don't like kids you know that are preteen age we find them to be quite annoying and oftentimes in movies they'll put them in positions that kids of that age are just not going to be in so um as those of us who were once kids or who have kids uh, we know what they're capable of, and oftentimes they're not capable of much of anything <laughs> as far as stressful situations, how to handle stressful situations. But at no point was I saying to myself, oh, that's, you know, that's unbelievable. Um, and they really showed, you know, Phoebe was quite intelligent. She was a scientist. She called herself a scientist. So they're basically saying that uh, Egon's intelligence was um, hereditary. So she inherited his intelligence. Not sure. Uh, what the mom inherited, but <laughs> his crippling anxiety. Apparently, it skips a generation. I guess, I guess so. Because <laughs> she was, uh, wow, what a basket case. I mean, she was the child. The kids were the parents. I I didn't, I, I did get kind of that, well, she was an alcoholic. Oh, definitely. Um, there's a line very su- early in the movie where they're driving into the town, and Trevor's looking at his cell phone, and he goes, I don't even have one bar or there's not even one bar and she goes, there better be a bar. And then there's another scene um, later on where she's basically passed out at the kitchen table with a wine glass in front of her. And then I think there's another scene where she's out having dinner with um, Paul Rudd's character and, and they're, and they're drinking, which yeah, she I mean, almost that's always had alcohol. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's definitely, it's kind of like Tony Stark and his drinking and the original Iron Man. Like, they're alluding to it, but they don't cram it down your throat. Mm. It's definitely, if you look for it, it's there. Yeah. So, basically, <clears throat> they show up in the town. Um, so, now the kids have to go to school because this is also kind of confusing because they mention it's summer break. But yet, the kids go to school, kind well, of? Well, Phoebe. Summer school? Phoebe does. Trevor goes to work. Oh, that's right. Why did Phoebe but, go to school? Well, I think I was wondering that myself, but the second time I watched it, I was paying. I was like, "Well, why is she going to school?" And they basically have a conversation as they're walking, and her and her mother have a conversation as they're walking toward the, the school, where Phoebe says, 
I enjoy learning, you know, I, I like learning, but you know, I don't want to go, I, I, you know, I hate public school or something like that. And the mom says, well, you can either, you know, come here or you can come home and help me clean asbestos out of the attic. And Phoebe's like, no, I'll go, I'll go here. So it sounds like it's probably Phoebe's choice to go to school because she's, she needs to get out of the mom's way or help her. So this is the only place to put her basically if she's not going to help her on the house. And that's another thing that's kind of surprising to me is the mom has no money. Like she didn't even have money to pay rent one more time, but they're driving what I assume is cross country. Um, she's paying for supplies to fix up this house. Where's this money coming from? I found that to be a little frustrating. I'm like, you can't even afford rent one more month yet. You're putting all this money. We know how expensive gas is. <clears throat> this is unrealistic. Yeah. Forget the ghosts. The fact the gas prices. <laughs> my, my thought with that was, I mean, I don't know where the money was coming from, but my thought was she's going to try and make the house as presentable as possible and sell it. Mm. That, that was kind of my thing. Um, and then, what was it? You, you, there was another question you posed there about. Oh, I mean, how she could afford to uh, to move the kids down there and fix up the house. Like, where's the money coming I, from? Yeah, to... I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they probably have a, a few, you know, dollars. I mean, just because she might. I mean, who knows how much rent was. And it never really explained where they lived, where they came That's from. That's true. How expensive was the place they were coming <clears> from? Because if it was New York, I mean, we've heard about rent in New York. Well, there was a scene. There's a scene where you can see the license plate on their car and it's not a new york plate but i couldn't tell where it was from Hmm. so they i don't think they were living in new york but i don't i don't know where it was yeah so so far i think we're kind of following a pretty classic you know storyline you know family inherits something they're going to go to the locations not what they expect and they're going to be stuck in the town and now they got to become a part of the community and so we see trevor go to they go to get dinner that night at the local um, sock hop, which is kind of cool because they're on roller skates. It's called know. Spinners. Spinners. Is the name of the um, restaurant. That was pretty cool. And so this is where he's going to apply for a job because there's a girl there that um, named Lucky who he finds attractive. And so he wants to spend more time with her. So <clears throat> on the subject of Lucky, she w- I didn't find her annoying, but her whole purpose in this entire movie was to smirk at Trevor as he was a fish out of water and makes nine comments to him about being a fish out of water. Um, I, I kind of like the second time I watched it, I was like, man, you know, she really, cause she really, she doesn't do much. Um, as she's a supposedly, you know, she's one of the new ghostbusters. Like she's one of the new team, I guess. And she, they don't do a whole lot with her. Uh, basically she, like I said, she smirks at Trevor a lot. I mean, every time I'm serious, every time you see her, she's got this like half smile on her face. <laughs> so they're flirting basically. And, um, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't get a whole lot of, uh, screen time really, uh, a few interactions with Trevor and then a little bit at the end and, and that's it. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of felt her, she was probably my least favorite of the new characters, but that's only because they really didn't do that much with her or explain that much about her. Yeah, they didn't really develop her character other than the fact that she was, was it third or fifth generation? Fourth generation. Okay, wow, look at that. I split it like that. Third and fifth, and the answer was fourth. Um, she's from the town. She feels like it's a deadbeat town like a lot of kids do. They think their town's not that cool. Um, and that's about it. And she works at the local... Uh, 
sock hop. That's about it. And I, I another thing that almost pulled me out of the movie. I've never been to Oklahoma. That I remember. <laughs> um, but I, I'm pretty sure. I, I have a good grasp of uh, Oklahoma and the um, the uh, landscape. Not the landscape, the uh, diversity oh. of, of Oklahoma. And I have to say, I mean, because in this town of Somerville, the, the, there's this group of kids that hang out with Lucky and Trevor. There's there's like Indian kids. There's, or, well, I mean, Middle Eastern Indian. You know, there's like Middle Eastern kids. Uh, you know, Lucky is African-American. There is a, that is a very, very colorful small town in Oklahoma. Almost to the point where it distracted me to where like, I don't really think there's that many Middle East immigrants living in a small town like that in Oklahoma. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are just as diverse as everything, but it almost pulled me out of the movie where I was like, what? There's a lot of like, oh, and there's one of the main characters podcast is an Oriental kid. Asian. (laughs) Asian. So basically they're, they're more, they're more worried about diversity. Build the railroads here, dude. (laughs) They're more worried about showing a diverse cast versus staying true to the location and the time period, which, you know, it didn't really bother me because I'm so used to seeing it now in movies. Um, now there are certain movies still where you have to stay true to form, but in a Ghostbusters movie in a tiny town of Oklahoma, who cares that there's a diverse, you know, cast? It's just something they need to do. But I would argue that the two main characters are going to be Phoebe and her friend podcast. They are on screen more than anyone else. Those I would say those are the two main characters. Yeah, but I mean, with your new, I'm going to call it the new team. You've mm-hmm. got podcast Phoebe, Trevor, and Lucky. Um, now whether they continue on in a sequel as a ghostbusting team, I don't know, but those were the four new characters who put on jumpsuits and basically use proton packs. Although I don't, I don't know that podcast ever shot a proton pack. I don't think he did. Um, I think he just used the trap, the, the vehicle trap, the mobile trap. He may have at the very end when he got the one working but he might have just got it working i think he trevor. just he got it working for trevor yeah. the only thing i saw him use was the little pke taser which was new and never explained which i mean it's fine well but, egon would have created new things i think yeah well the trap the mobile trap which i thought was ingenious yeah like it never was, in my mind I was, I was like that's in, that's a great idea basically all they did was they took a ghost trap and put it on the body of a, a remote controlled vehicle and so they could move the trap around. It was smart. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great idea. It was a great uh, innovation. So we should talk about podcasts because when Phoebe's being driven to school, um, her brother basically tells her, like, hey, tell me a joke. And she tells a joke, and it's a dad joke. And he's like, you know, you're going to get killed out there. Basically, don't talk. Um, but her mom's like, hey, you know, try to make a friend. And, you know, of course, she's going to need to make a friend. You know, someone's going to have to bring Phoebe out of her shell. She's going to need to team up with somebody. So we're introduced to podcast. And he calls himself that because he walks around with a microphone and a recorder. And he's constantly recording and narrating everything going on around him. And I found it to be really funny. Like, I really enjoyed it. Actually, he only did it a couple of times. He did it when you first meet him. And then when he walks into uh, Phoebe's house. Well, what about when they go to the mountain? I thought he was recording then. I, I think he was just talking to Phoebe there. I don't think he was recording. Maybe Anyways, he was, or maybe he his, was. His shtick was that he has a podcast, so he calls yeah. himself podcast, and he likes to record as much as possible. And he has one listener. So, so for anybody keeping track, that's two 
I'm going to say I don't, blockbuster two. Let's say two summer movies with main characters you had podcasts. Oh yeah, Godzilla so versus, Godzilla versus yeah. Kong. They're finally starting to mention <clears throat> podcasts into uh, big movies, which they really should because at this point, I everyone I know either listens to podcasts or has a podcast. I mean, it's I think it's more popular than radio. Uh, I, I don't know anybody who still listens to the radio, but I know people who listen to podcasts. <laughs> but but I, I enjoyed uh, podcast's character. I think he was probably he had some of the funniest lines. True. Uh, there's a my my favorite. I think that he says is <clears throat> there's a scene where Paul Rudd's character is talking to him about uh, the 1984 Ghostbusters uh, phenomena phenomenon. And he, he, he goes, he looks at podcasts and he's like, you of all people don't know about this. And he goes, podcast goes, I'm ashamed. That's right. That's right. That was funny. <laughs> that that was pretty funny. And then he, he's got a couple other uh, really good one-liners in there that are, that are really good. I um, thought he was a nice compliment to Phoebe's more drier, uh, serious humor. Um, Phoebe was funny without trying to be funny. So I thought podcast did a good job um, complimenting that, but Going to summer school, we now get to meet one of the other characters, Paul Rudd's uh, Gruberson was his name. And he is a seismologist. And he want, he is teaching these kids, basically, because there's seismic activity going around in Oklahoma where there's no fault lines. And his idea of teaching the kids is introducing them to classic uh, 1980 movies like Cujo. And what was the other Child's one? Child's Play. Child's Play. That's his <clears> idea <throat> of teaching the class. But, of course, Phoebe's not interested in that. So she wanders off on the group and strikes up a conversation with Paul Rudd's uh, character, uh, Gruberson. Yeah. So you've basically got him as the, I don't want to say mentor, because he's definitely not responsible enough for that title. But uh, he's kind of hanging out with uh podcast and phoebe and phoebe finds uh the trap in her house that we saw at the beginning of the movie uh at, with the death of egon and she brings it to school i guess to show i'm assuming to show podcast uh i don't think i th- i think there was some stuff that was cut out because there's some scenes in the trailer where they're in school and there's like a kid that like pops a bag of doritos in phoebe's face or something like they're kind of it looks like maybe they're picking on her or something and then that's not in the movie. Hmm. I don't remember that. Either. Yeah. And then um, there's a scene when I can't remember if it was the first day of school or when they were watching child's play, but there's a scene with a kid. He's got a bag of like pop Doritos on his desk. And I'm sure it's the kid from the trailer, mm. but that's like, we just see it in passing. And I was, and I'd watched the trailer before I went to see it the second time. And I was like, that wasn't in the movie. And then I saw that and I was like, okay, they must have cut it out. But we still see the aftermath of his Pop Doritos. But anyway, Paul Rudd sees the trap. And that sparks the whole like, oh, you guys don't know about Ghostbusters? And he shows them YouTube videos, which I thought was kind of cool. Because, I mean, that's how you would go about doing it now. Like, yeah. oh, you don't know about this? Here, come here. I'll show you on the computer. You know, like that's that's how people relate to things now and then after watching it phoebe now realizes at this moment that egon her grandfather was a ghostbuster she did not know that prior to that that he was a ghostbuster so um and then i believe at this point she has spent the night in the house has she spent the night in the house or did this happen after that she spent the night in the house okay so what happens is um there's a chessboard out and phoebe's in bed and the chessboard gets flung against the wall and she sets it back up and then um, an entity uh, 
starts a move, like plays a move. So she responds and then goes to sleep. She handled that quite well. The fact that the chessboard went flying against the wall and then a chess piece moved on its own. She took it in stride. Yeah. Well, I mean, she she said, I think, at the beginning of the, when she first met podcast, that she doesn't believe in ghosts. Because he, he points to the theater or something and he's like, the theater's haunted. And she's like, I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, it kind of made me wonder, like, why... What did she think about that? Like, what did she think was going on? Because I, I, most people would be like, you know, praying and going for holy water. Freaking so, out. Yeah. Right. At least not staying in that room. Something. Yeah. So anyway, we've get, we've got basically all the characters are together now. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what most of the things that happen in the film are set in motion by the characters in the film. Um, whereas they have the trap and then, so if that trap had stayed where it was, the movie wouldn't have happened. Um, to an extent. Yeah. Because there was still one roaming around. There was still an entity roaming around besides Egon. Um, but you know that it doesn't actually show up. Do you find that weird? Whatever killed Egon doesn't actually show up until the end. Do you remember seeing it appear anywhere? Well, so there's two, <clears throat> what she's talking about, there's the two terror dogs, uh, the gatekeeper and the key master, and the entity that's in the trap is one of the, those two. I don't remember which one. Uh, and he puts the trap in the floorboards of the house. and Under a puzzle. Yeah. You have to solve a puzzle to get to So it. basically... What she's saying is that like one of the terror dogs should have still been running around trying at least trying to find the other terror dog, I guess. And it doesn't really show up until the Paul Rudd and uh, podcast and Phoebe they open the trap that they find and let the entity out that was in it, whichever one it was, gatekeeper or key master. Did it look weird to you too? It it had it had different a ears. It had a yeah. werewolf look to it. It had different ears um, than it does in the its physical form and so i don't know i mean there could be like a line that wasn't uh left in that could have explained it like maybe you know when they're not together they you know they um lose energy and dissipate i I don't know but basically they let it out of the trap and that's kind of what kickstarts things yeah it ends Um, up going straight to this mountain which that's really the only thing in the landscape is this giant plateau of a mountain and uh trevor and hangs out with the other kids who work at the sock hop and he ends up going with them to the mountain where the kids like to hang out it's this old mine um it's been abandoned and um, they said a bunch of people were committing suicide like jumping into the jumping into the mine but um it's our first kind of uh introduction to it and of course you know big earthquake and then he hears Trevor, the brother, is looking down this well, and he hears a voice say, uh, Gozer. So now we know Gozer's going to be involved. So <clears throat> Phoebe finds, with the help of Egon's spirit, uh, although we don't see the spirit, it's basically like um, the PKE meter goes off. She found it under the chair. The PKE meter will go off, and she kind of figures out that uh, she uses it as like a locator. Like, okay, if I move this way, it goes off. It turns off. If I go this way, it turns on. And so she kind of uses it to follow the trail of psychokinetic energy to 
where Egon wants her to go. And then the lights are coming on as she's moving through the house. And he <clears throat> guides her to um, his laboratory, which is underground. You got to use the, the, the fire pole to get, or a fire pole to get down there. And this is where there's quite a bit of callbacks in, in this because you get, you get the use of the, the fire pole. Uh, you get, there's a, there's a sign, there's a maid service sign on the door of Egon's um, locker where he keeps his uniforms that was on their office door in the first movie. Uh, she finds a Nestle Crunch bar in his, in his uh, suit. Uh, there's just a bunch of stuff. There, there's equipment in there that you see in the first movie. And so there's a bunch of like, I guess, fan service in that part where you see some, like that stuff that was in the first movie, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, a lot of Easter eggs. I oftentimes slide down pools into the dark where I don't know where I'm going. Well, that was another thing they never explained. How did they get out of there? That's an excellent question. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking about sliding down a pole into an unknown abyss is perhaps not the best idea. <laughs> yeah. They yeah never, how did they get back out of that room? They never explain. I'm assuming there's steps somewhere that probably just go out, but <clears throat> they never explain how they. It's they in a shed. So yeah. maybe there's like a back yeah, exit somewhere. Once you get down there, you can see it. Maybe it's a daylight shed. Yeah. <laughs> but basically she finds uh, Egon's um, equipment, his... Um, Oh, hi, R.D. Why can't I think of the name of the... Proton Pack? The proton, oh, my God. I'm, like, blanking all the names. Uh, she finds Proton Pack. It's not functioning, though. And with the help of Ghost Egon, um, she fixes it. Yeah, I, I kind of... Even with, like, him helping... Use, I'm using quote fingers. I, I doubt that she would be able... That anybody would be able to, to fix that properly. I mean, that's a very sophisticated piece of equipment. And basically, he is just, you know, I, I don't know. never her where the tools are. Yeah. She's like, oh, I need wire nose yeah. wires. And she, he she, shows her yeah. where it is. She automatically knows what the components of the machine it's are. It's a She's little like, odd, too, that it was yeah. even broken. If it was that easy to fix, why hadn't he fixed it yet? Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so she's basically on board now. She knows that, you know, her grandfather was a Ghostbuster and that this is her grandfather that is helping her because she tells podcasts. So the next scene is they take the she takes the proton pack out with podcast and they're going to test fire it. And she tells podcasts like, yeah, my grandfather, I met my grandfather last night and he, you know, helped me fix this. And so they fire up the proton pack and they use it to shoot some bottles and then. And this is probably the part of the movie where I was just like, oh, come on. That's, you know, the biggest coincidence of the movie um, is after they test fire the proton pack, they hear a goat. There's a ghost in the abandoned factory that they're next to where they just happen to be testing the proton pack and they go in to, to hunt the ghost or to see what the noise is and they find the ghost. Yeah, it's a Slimer type looking ghost too, only it's blue. It's, it's called Muncher and it eats metal. Which I don't know why ghosts need to eat. Um, my my theory with Ghostbusters is that some of the ghosts are deceased humans. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, some of them look like people and were people, but some of the stuff that they deal with, they're not necessarily ghosts. They're um, things from other dimensions, 
or maybe they're ghosts from other dimensions. I, I don't know. Maybe they're ghosts that died on other worlds. I don't know. But a lot of the creatures that they see that you see obviously aren't human or never were human or don't appear to be human. Uh, so that was always the way I kind of rationalized that is all oh, those are, you know, creatures from other dimensions because they talk about other dimensions quite a bit, especially with Gozer, you know, coming in uh, to our world. So that was kind of my rationalization of that, even though they never really, I think, fully explain it. But he's got like four or five arms, something like that. He's got multiple limbs and he's kind of like a slug looking thing and he eats metal, but he can also like shoot it out too. Yeah, almost like shrapnel. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, they shoot him. They almost catch him, but he gets away. And about this time is when Trevor gets the... Trevor had found Ecto-1 in a um, in a barn. And they meet Trevor. Trevor's got it running He with the help of Egon, which he doesn't realize. And they meet Trevor. Trevor uh, tells them to get in and they go after the ghost. Uh, and they end up this is the scene you see from the trailers where they're driving around the Ecto-1. Phoebe's on the gunner seat shooting at the ghosts. And they're basically, I don't know how well it's portrayed in the trailer, but they basically destroy most of the main street. It's pretty, it's just as destructive as the Ghostbusters destroying the hotel in the first movie. Yeah. They cause more damage than the ghost does. The ghost caused minimal damage compared to what they do. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost is just eating yeah. some trash cans and the occasional fire hydrant. We, they destroy buildings. We did it, Patrick. We saved the city. I know. Right? <laughs> Remember the episode of SpongeBob? Yeah. And, what, and once again, <clears throat> much like Jurassic World with the, the park Jeep, um, a vehicle that has been sitting for decades, um, just twist a few knobs uh, and you're good to go. The vehicle will work. <laughs> yeah. But well, it has to for the sake of the movie. So... You know, you kind of just have to let those things go. So they end up catching the ghost, uh, but then they get caught by the police. And this is where they go to jail, which I thought was ridiculous and interesting. I mean, it's a small town. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You don't put minors in an actual jail cell. Yeah. You put them in the lobby and call their parents. <laughs> so uh, they, this is where we find out that Lucky's father is the sheriff. Um. And then Mr. Gruberson and uh, the mom come and get the kids. And this was, I thought there was an interesting um, scene here where she's, the mom is mad that the kids are in jail. And she says, you were supposed to watch her this summer. And Mr. Gruberson goes, I was. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and she was talking to Trevor, but I, I kind of, cause for a second, I thought she was talking to him too. <laughs> And I was like, is she really blaming him for her being in jail when they were just at dinner together? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, I thought that part was kind of, I, mean, I understand why it needed to happen. You know, you've got to get to the point where the adults don't believe the kids. I mean, it, it just, it's going to happen. It has to happen in these kind of movies. You know, no one believes them. No one believes the kids. So it's up to the kids to you know, basically prove, you know, that they were right. But yeah, this part kind of bothered me because... The mom was really, she was saying how she wanted Phoebe to get into some trouble, like, you know, kind of like have a life. And then Phoebe gets into trouble and then the mom gets upset about it. But um, I thought it was a little weird. The sheriff, you know, Egon is known as the dirt farmer because he has a farm that has dirt and he never grows anything. He's eccentric, you know. Of course, in a small town, people are going to think he's weird and like have names for him. So the sheriff kind of starts talking about Egon, about how he was the dirt farmer. 
and Phoebe gets really angry about it and actually grabs a hold of um, the gun for the proton pack and fires it up. So apparently she was going to kill this man because um, he talked bad about her grandfather and it was completely inappropriate for her to do that. However, it just goes to show you, she is a child. She's not an adult. You know, she thought it was okay to point a nuclear weapon at somebody because they spoke poorly of her grandfather. And I thought more than anything, that showed that she was a kid and not an adult in that moment because she way overreacted. (laughs) Yeah, well, I didn't, when I first saw it, I didn't quite like get that vibe from it that you did. Like I wasn't like, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. I was more like, it reminded me of the scene where they were confronting Peck in the first Ghostbuster movie and then he'd shut off the containment grid or whatever and Egon just loses it on him and is like, he you're a mother. On your, yeah, yeah, yeah and, you're a mother. And I thought that that was kind of like maybe a nod back to that. But you're right, it was a little, it was a, mu- a little much, a little much. Because, I mean, basically, instead of just like lunging at the guy and like, I'm going to punch you she's like i'm gonna cut you in half with a particle accelerator so that was yeah i, I kind of see where you're going with that but at the time i was like oh well this is just you know her a nod to egon and his you know your mother yeah but i yeah. mean egon was responding to an adult who shut down their containment system thus you know throwing the world into potentially apocalypse and then lies about it uh, to the authorities. That's Egon reacting to that. She's yeah. reacting to a guy saying, your grandfather was crazy. I'm going to now kill you with a nuclear weapon. <laughs> well, I like, thought I thought she was more upset that he wasn't going to get, they weren't going to get the stuff back and they needed it because they're starting to realize there's stuff going on. Um, And we skipped over the phone call. Remember she made, they gave her a phone call. Well, oh, that's right. Because th- at this point the mom is picking her up. Yeah, she got a phone call. You're and, right. I kind of, I was kind of like, well, why in the hell is she calling the, because, so what she does, we see her earlier, she's watching the Ghostbusters, car, uh, not cartoon, um, commercial, commercial on YouTube and it's a commercial from the movie, you know, you know, do you, do you have, uh, specters yeah. that live in your house? Do you get feelings of dread in your basement or attic, you know, stuff like <laughs> And then they flash the phone number up on the screen. Well, she writes it down and then when they get arrested and they give her her phone call, she calls that number, which goes to Ray's occult bookshop and Ray picks up the phone. And I was wondering at the time, I'm like, why in the world is she calling that number now? Well, then I remember, like, I don't think they had any cell service because they were always complaining about not having any bars. And I guess that was the first time she'd had to use a phone. (laughs) I don't know. They didn't have a landline. Well, I I think too, at that point, she realized what was going on, like how much trouble they were in, the town was in and that she was going to need their help. So I think that's why she called that number. And of course, you know, Dan Aykroyd as Ray uh, picks up the phone. And at first she doesn't really say who she is. She actually just says, you know, did you know, did you know Egon? She starts asking questions about Egon. She doesn't even say that, you know, she's the granddaughter until Ray's about to hang up on her. But um, Ray goes into a story about how Egon... Uh, told Ray that, you know, the end was coming. Basically, he insinuates that Egon lost it. You know, he starts going on about um, the end of the world and he has a breakdown. He goes to this town in the middle of nowhere and he tells Ray that, you know, the end is coming. And Ray says, you know, that it's a bunch of, you know, baloney. It's not true. And, um, And here's something I caught, you know, is he mentions the firehouse and he says it's been turned into a Starbucks. And that Egon took all his equipment, you know, took Ecto-1. 
they lost the firehouse. It's a coffee shop now. Um, and so Ray is quite upset with Egon. Um, and I know this part really bothered you about how Ray felt. Yeah, this is so up to this point, I, I, I enjoyed the movie, but up to this point, this is kind of where I, I have points in a lot of, there's a lot of good movies out there that I feel are ruined <laughs> by like one or two little details. Uh, like for example, you know, the dark Knight rises, uh, the, the third movie in the, the Nolan Batman, uh, trilogy. I can't get past. I mean, the fact that Batman ha- is retired when the movie starts, like ba- Batman doesn't quit. He just doesn't. So that movie almost was pretty much ruined by me. Just, I, I don't care what else happened in the rest of the movie. I'm like, well, that just, that's not, that's not that character. That's not what that character would do. That's not how that character would act. And much in that same vein, this scene almost ruined the movie for me. And really, if I sit down and think about it, it does ruin the movie for me. I have to basically like, I'm going to ignore that and just, you know, suspend my disbelief to, you know, continue watching this movie because Ray doesn't believe Egon when Egon tells him that there's a, a threat and that Gozer is uh, possibly coming back. And it makes no sense to me, none whatsoever. Cause Ray of all people. Now, maybe if they had said it was another Ghostbuster, like Winston or, or Peter, I might maybe a little bit be a little bit more on board with that. But Ray and Egon were the two most um, read and, you know, informed on that kind of stuff. And if anybody would believe Egon, it would be Ray. So Ray was like one of, he was one of the mo- more fantastical of the, of the guys. You know, he was one of the more, you know, uh, imaginative, I guess yeah, you would ready say. ready to believe. Yeah. And that, for me, that scene took me out of the movie, uh, basically where he said that he didn't believe Egon and he started, Egon was rambling about the end of the world. When, I mean, technically they've saved the world twice at this point if the second movie was canon from, you know, supernatural threats that had worldwide implications. Uh, so why wouldn't you believe that there was another one on the horizon? Well, that in Gozer <clears throat> has appeared many times. Like it's <coughs> it's resurrected and comes back in many forms. So there's yeah. no reason to believe that Gozer wouldn't be wouldn't be back. But um, at this point, she then informs Ray because he's about to hang up on her that she's Egon's granddaughter and that Egon was dead. And so you and know, that Egon died two weeks ago. Yeah, which means that he died in modern times, like just you know a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, he could have easily gotten cell phone evidence or like pictures or, you know, and sent it to the other guys to prove that he was right. I mean, he found the temple where, you know. The well with the souls. He sets yeah. up the proton packs. To, yeah, he could have just taken video of the well with all these, like, souls trying to come forth. Um, and then the proton packs he has set up to, to keep them at bay. Just even a video yeah. of that would have proven what was going on. I mean, on. He, could, he could have easily enlisted help is, yeah. is what we're trying to say he could have easily have um proved that he needed assistance uh from the other ghostbusters and instead they created this rift uh basically so the movie could happen if it wasn't there then the movie wouldn't have happened and we wouldn't have had to you know get into these new characters and all that and that for me i mean i still enjoyed the movie I mean, I went and saw it twice. If I hadn't liked it that much, I wouldn't have wasted my time to go see it twice. 
Um, but that for me was kind of the moment where I was like the jump the shark moment where I'm like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Like the writers literally hammered a square peg into a round hole to get this movie where they, to get these characters where they needed them to be for this movie. Yeah. And I feel like they could have really fleshed that out a little bit and just a few lines of dialogue probably would have made that better. Yeah. Now at this point, um, Phoebe and her mom are arguing because Phoebe, um, you can tell like really respects her grandfather. You know, she, she wants to have a relationship with him basically. Uh, and then the mom, every chance the mom gets on screen loves to tell everybody around her how horrible her father was. Because science how, is bad. Yeah, science is bad. Our father abandoned, you know, my father abandoned me because of science. You know, basically she exists to speak poorly of Egon. So that way, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't really actually know why. But <laughs> she's really upset about it. Which, I mean, if my dad abandoned me, perhaps I would feel that way too. But I thought the way she talked to her children... And perhaps this is the basket case, you know, the alcoholism. Uh, that's just her character, really immature. The way she talked to her kids, she was talking to them like they were uh, fellow adults, not children. The language she would use, how she'd speak so poorly of their grandfather. I mean, I was just, your kids aren't there to be your therapist. And she would talk to them as if she were in therapy all her feelings pouring out. So I thought that was like, really? Like, you need to be the adult here. Yeah. Well, again, as I was saying earlier, we don't get enough background on her to really know what's going on because, I mean, she has a mother. We're, you know, what did her mother say about you? I mean, surely her mother knew, you know, that Egon moved to that town to, you know, stop the coming of Gozer. What did she tell her? You know, what? Is they the don't mother, bother to tell yeah, us. Is the mother alive? Like, I mean, we don't even, I think at the very, very end of the movie, she introduces herself as um, Spangler. Like she tells Peter Vinkman her last name. And up until that point, we don't even know what their last name is in the, in the movie. And, you know, it probably should have, it probably should have been something else. Cause well, I don't know. She never explains if she was married to um, the kid's father or not. I don't think. I'm under the impression she was not. Yeah. But <laughs> she said he was just like a loser. Yeah. He was it's a... just, it's really, there's just not enough background given. Yeah. To, for, to... for a two hour long movie, they really don't flesh out the characters. Um, but it didn't feel like two hours to me. It seems like it went by pretty, pretty fast, but yeah, you're right. Perhaps this should have been a two parter or something. So you could really get to know the characters a little bit more. They maybe didn't have to rush things so much, but, um, okay. So at this point they're back at the house. What happens next? I I have one, one more observation. So Paul Rudd and, um, uh, the mother, Carrie, is it Carrie? Callie? Whatever her name is. Um, it's pretty bad that we can't remember. Well, her we real can't... name is like Carrie Coon. Yeah. Well, it's, her... it's Callie. Callie. Uh, so Paul Rudd and Callie get Trevor and um, Phoebe out of jail, but we didn't never we never see Podcast get out of jail. <laughs> so I'm assuming his, he. I don't think he was arrested then. I'm assuming his parents come and get him. Well, he was in the he was in the cell with them. Was he at the beginning? Yes. Oh, oh, his parents must have got him then. So, I think there's might be a deleted scene again. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Trevor and. Um, Phoebe go back home 
with their mom and then Paul Rudd goes to Walmart as you do after most dates you know people go, go get some ice Walmart. cream yeah and mm-hmm. uh, he ends up running into the little marshmallow guys stay puffed little mini stay puffed I thought I mean when I first saw it I was like oh that's cool you know they just like they're just jumping on that baby Yoda bandwagon they're like let's just take this and, and make it small and see I felt it was more of an Evil Dead 2 um, and, homage well I, I got vibes from that too but it didn't make a whole lot of sense because it's just like, okay, there's these little Stay Puft guys running around. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say like, okay, I guess maybe um, Gozer has some residual memory of being in that form. So that's why those things appear. But other than that, it really doesn't make any sense why they're there. <laughs> um. I don't know. I mean, ghosts are starting to show up. So I guess that's just one of the forms. Kind of like in, you know, Ghostbusters when all those spirits get loose and, like, it possesses different entities. I think it was just a ghost that happened to inhabit the Stay Puft characters. I didn't really think it was a Stay Puft. I don't know. I didn't really think about it. I w- they were cute, and I loved how they didn't mind killing each other. Like, they were happy to die. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, so there's a, there's a scene with those things running around. And initially... You're just like, well, why? I mean, it's cute and it's funny, but why are they there? <clears throat> and then Paul Rudd ends up running into um, one of one of the terror dogs. I don't remember. Was he the gatekeeper or the key master? I think he was the key master. Yeah, the boy's always the key, key master. He's the key. That's the male. Yeah. The gatekeeper, the hole, is the female. Get it? <laughs> so anyway, he ends up getting chased by the terror dog out through Walmart. And... Uh, he throws his ice cream at it, which almost almost buys him like a half a second. <laughs> and uh, which uh, the the effect they did the the tear dogs were pretty much done with practical effects. Oh yeah, they did a really good um, job. I thought they looked amazing. Although much like um, Tully was that his name in the Louis Tully yeah. Louis much like him running away from his apartment building into the open outside that restaurant was a mistake. Him leaving Walmart, I think, was a mistake. <laughs> I think he was safer in the Walmart. And then, so he gets he gets captured. And then, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember what happens next. I'm kind of, it's starting to, because it's starting to build towards the climax. Of the well, he, he goes to the <coughs> temple to destroy the um, yeah. proton packs. So Egon had set up some uh, proton packs to automatically um, fire when the well of souls would fill up. Yeah. And basically it would disseminate that and it would um, stave off the, the coming of Gozer, basically. Oh, and by the way, Evo, so, I mean, that's another thing, too. Like, Egon could have taken a, so Evo Shandor, the guy that built Dana Barrett's apartment in the first movie, the Gozer cult guy, his body is just laying in a glass case, like Vladimir Lenin style, in this, like, mine. And I'm like, Egon never thought to, like, Take a picture of that, send it to Ray, and like, hey, look who I found. <laughs> you know, I mean, or push him into the well of souls, like get rid of it or something. Because every time the souls would come close to the surface, he'd start to wake up, like he was basically possessed. Yeah. So that was that was pretty <clears throat> creepy. The kids discovered that. Yeah, and I'll, he's played by J.K. Simmons, who is in. He's like the Samuel Jackson of yeah. the late two thousands. He's in yeah, everything. He's great. And so. He uh, Paul Rudd he sabotages Egon's uh, safe safety uh, system there. That he's got set up to automatically go off, which allows the spirits to come up, and that's basically like 
the um, containment unit getting breached. That's when all the ghosts yeah. like start coming up and start terrorizing the town and stuff. And nobody, you know, it would have been nice to see, uh, like in the previous movies, where the mayor comes and is like, okay, you know, we need your help. If it, if the sheriff would have been like, okay, I need you guys to do something. <laughs> yeah, but they did have, it wasn't as extensive as the previous Ghostbusters where they show all the different entities bothering people. I think they had the coal <clears throat> miner, the miner at the diner, the waitress is serving him coffee. You're a poet um, and didn't know it. But um, did you st- remember any others? We see, I think we just see some spirit. Oh, yeah, the eyeball ghost. The one that has the oh. eye that comes because I'm I had that toy I had the the figure of that of that ghost uh, from the cartoon and I, there's a couple of others I think that it's yeah. just real brief real real short scene you don't really get the sense of scale I think that you kind of did with the first movie yeah that basically the ghosts are like terrorizing everybody in town but the kids show back up at the police station to get their stuff and there's nobody there. Like all the cops are gone, presumably out either running from or trying to fight the ghost. But they you never don't really know. It's like they just disappeared. Yeah. <clears throat> and they end up getting their gear back. Um, quite pretty, pretty clever, yeah. which I mean, I, I thought it was kind of a cool moment. It was podcast idea. And then, and that's kind of the thing. Like everybody kind of does their own. They all have their own little contributions. Um, and then they form a plan, or they start to form a plan, and their mother, uh, she's actually down in, she discovers Egon's lab. I can't remember if she, I think she finds a PKE meter and basically follows it down to the lab. Uh, she finds a collage of photographs of her throughout her life. That means basically Egon was keeping an eye on her or keeping tabs of her. Some, apparently somebody was sending her him those photos. Probably her Perhaps mother. Perhaps the mysterious mother. <laughs> yeah, this mother that doesn't exist. Maybe she was grown on a Petri dish. I don't know. Maybe he was. <laughs> maybe she started out as a spores mold and fungus. Uh, he does like to collect them. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> anyway, she gets um, possessed, turned into a dog by the uh, the gatekeeper down in Egon's light, which I kind of thought was weird that... I think he was hanging around the farmhouse the whole time. Like, because that's where it ended up when it killed Egon. I think maybe it was around. Possibly. Waiting for its opportunity. It just, it, it couldn't really, there was no point in creating a gatekeeper until a key master had formed. But, yeah, and I, I thought it was kind of weird that, I mean, I don't know what the rules are, but apparently, like, Ghost Egon either didn't do or couldn't do anything to stop it from possessing his daughter. Or maybe he wanted it to happen, so that would be like, okay, let's get this ball rolling so we can stop this. I don't know, and it's not explained. So she gets possessed. Uh, Paul Rudd is possessed. They um, meet up at the mountain. The kids show up at the mountain. They see and they see them turn in from the people into the dogs. They see them turn into the terror dogs, and they were much cooler about it than I probably would have been. Um, yeah, they seem pretty pretty <laughs> level-headed kids. Um. <laughs> so you see your mother turn into a dog, and then you're like, okay, well, let's do, you know, let's form a plan. And most people would have been like, oh, my God, did you see that? What the Yeah, heck? look, my mom's dead. Like, I would assume my mom is dead. <clears throat> yeah, there was a lot of lightning uh, for, during that transformation. So yeah. I, I think that, in my mind, I would feel that the probability of survival was probably pretty low. But whatever, you know. Um, so they actually... 
So Gozer shows up. Yep. And it's it's confirmed that Gozer cannot show up until the Keymaster and Gatekeeper are in Terradog form and have mated. Like, that's confirmed. Gozer's power is attached to these dogs possessing a human body. Yeah. And you can't, you have to have both of them. You can't have one. Yeah. <clears throat> and I thought that was, a, I don't know, it's a little weird. They don't, like, go too far into the to lore of it. I mean, they, there's a scene where they're looking through the Tobin Spirit Guide and they're kind of talking about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they don't really, they basically like, well, this is the way it is. And they never, there's no explanation. It's like, this is just the way it is. Yeah. And so they quite cleverly, I believe this is probably what Egon's plan was as well. They trap one of the dogs the the one that was possessing the mother and they uh there's an escape from where they they leave the temple they're driving away and paul rudd's uh terror dog is chasing them there's another short chase and they get back to the farmhouse and phoebe has discovered that this was the farmhouse is basically a a giant uh trap that Egon's constructed to catch uh, why he didn't. I mean, I guess maybe because he needed uh, materials at the farm. I don't know, but why didn't he just build it in the mine? I think it had to do with the silos <clears throat> at the farm. He needed, he needed those. a capacitor yeah. for the electricity, which didn't, they didn't work anyway until they were uh, provided a charge. So the movie needed them to. <laughs> yeah. till the movie <laughs> needed them to. So anyway, he, um, they get back to the farm and Gozer shows up, which, now we're given the idea that the, the entity that was chasing Egon at the beginning of the movie was Gozer. I think it was a terror dog. And because she basically comes through the corn in the same manner and shows up and then they try to, to do the trap. The traps don't work. She's in like a half form though. Like you can yeah. see her versus She's the beginning. Tr- kind of you couldn't see the form. Yeah. I don't know. I really felt like. I don't know. I kind of feel like it was the other terror dog, but you don't really know. Maybe, maybe it had something to do with um, the fact that the the proton packs were set up around the well, and maybe she wasn't as strong when at the beginning of the movie because Egon had his uh, safety measures in place and they were working, so the well couldn't. Um, couldn't explode yeah. so basically it's speculation though there's no yeah. there's no confirmation We're, as to who the entity is that actually killed egon was it a terror dog or was it gozer and we skipped over the fact the temple um had dates on the wall of key events and we actually recognized all of them um throughout history and did you see the future dates too yeah so they had dates in the future where this was going to happen again basically the, this the is next, an ongoing yeah. issue the next one i think was 2131 so be yeah, ready yeah be ready for that and uh we also missed um the resurrection of um jk simmons character yeah uh he spent more time dead in the movie than he did resurrected <laughs> yeah so he's finally resurrected and gozer comes you know forms and he's like you know basically hey i did all this for you uh let's now rule together and she literally rips him in half <laughs> which i mean it was kind of it, it was kind of funny like oh haha, that was funny but then you're like man what a waste of that character yeah yeah i guess 
It was just to show that Gozer is not going to share power with anybody. Why would they? Why would Gozer share power with a human? Yeah. Well, my big problem with that was why was his body at that that place and not in at the top of his building in New York? I'm I'm guessing it has something to do with the Well of Souls. Like he knew that this <clears throat> temple was going to be the place where Gozer would would eventually show up. Like maybe he didn't have confidence that it was going to happen at the building. I don't know. That's another one of those unanswered questions. Yeah. There's a lot of unanswered questions. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, back at the farm. They're back at the farm. Gozer's coming after them. They've got one of the dogs trapped. Um, they're trying to fight her off. The The mini marshmallow guys show up. Uh, they sabotage the proton pack that's in the Ecto-1. Uh Lucky shows up. She was the big plan was for her to ambush Gozer at the farm when Gozer shows up. Uh, which really, I mean, it was kind of a cool reveal, but at the same time, I'm like, well, we'll just what did that, what did that accomplish by having her go to the farm and just wait? I think it's because they knew they were going to have to use the big trap. Yeah, they that was the place they had to trap Gozer, so they needed someone there to help, um, you know, corral her. So, ideally, <clears throat> all three proton packs were going to be used and then they'd be able to trap Gozer. But of course one is out of commission and apparently it has to be three. It cannot be two. Gozer requires three beams. <laughs> what well, did they get? Cause I don't, I don't know that they, um, I don't know that they ever had three on her. Wasn't Phoebe. Phoebe had one and Trevor had one and then Lucky had one. But Trevor's was out of commission. Yeah. And I don't I don't know that Phoebe and Lucky ever had her at the same time. Oh, I don't remember. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It, it's hmm. um so anyway, Gozer ends up getting the hold of the trap. Uh destroys she it. Releases uh the gatekeeper. It possesses Lucky immediately. I don't know why it didn't go back and get the mom, but it gets maybe whatever. It gets Lucky. So Lucky's out of commission. Uh things are looking bad. And then the OG Ghostbusters. I mean, they just, I don't know. Did they like, pivotal moment. Did they like walk up? I mean, there's like, they just walk up and they're in full gear. <laughs> yeah. They and, arrive on scene. Uh, I'm sure there's just so much chaos going on that no one else noticed them arriving. Can't hear the car pull up. <laughs> yeah. Well, my thing is like, they probably had to come through the town to get there. Oh, that was a big snore from the babies. Yeah. They had to come through town to get there. So did they just ignore all that ghost activity going on in the town and head right to the farmhouse? Yeah, they got to go for the big kahuna. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, so they show up. Um, Peter, Peter, what's his name? Um, Bill Murray. He looks really frail. <laughs> um, I actually just thought he looks like he has for his last few movies. Like, he looks the same to me as he has the last 10 years. I mean, I don't know how old he is, but he's got to be in his 70s, if not 80s. Um, I think he looks the same. Yeah. I mean. Well, it was really cool seeing them all in uniform. Yeah. You know, back together. Uh, there wasn't, I mean, other than a few, like, one-liners, really, there wasn't a whole lot done with them. Uh, they throw uh, some proton blasts at Gozer. Well, Gozer asks the key question, yeah. are, are you, you a god? Because Ray goes through his speech about fish and wildlife, like you're in violation yeah. of fish and wildlife. And she goes, are you a god? And for a second, you can tell he wants to say no. And uh, Winston and... Oh, come on, Ray. <laughs> are like, come on, you know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> 
So anyway, that they uh, they immediately cross the streams mm-hmm. uh, to to shoot Gozer, and which confused me a little bit because it was my understanding that to cross the the reason they crossed the streams was to get the gateway to close shut. That's what they did in the original. Yeah. Uh, and there's no, I mean, there's just, there's no gateway where they're at. There's just, Gozer's just standing there and they cross the, the gateways back at the temple. So I'm assuming, I, I don't know. I was a little confused as to why they did it, but they did it, but it didn't matter because it doesn't work. So she's able to like pull the streams apart for whatever reason. Um, cause the writers needed her to, I guess. And then, uh, Phoebe is able to get back on her feet, get the proton pack and she starts, uh, because the OG Ghostbusters get uh, zapped and, you know, they fall down. Of course, she, she doesn't instantaneously murder any of the main characters, just Evo Shandor. And uh, the main characters get, you know, pushed back. Uh, Phoebe shows up, starts uh, shooting her with the proton. But, you know, the, the three main characters' proton packs couldn't hold her. But Phoebe's one proton pack is powerful enough to, like, force her power beams or her gozer's lightning like back or whatever uh but she starts to like struggle and lose the power and then what happens it was actually really like a harry potter voldemort moment when they have the final duel and they've got the two uh power beams going at it and it's about good versus evil and then eventually the good beam overpowers the evil so yeah it was totally like a harry potter voldemort duel there um but um so Phoebe is struggling, you know, she's just a kid. It's hard for her to maintain it. And then all of a sudden these arms, you know, uh, envelop her and hold the proton pack with her and it's Egon in ghost form. So we actually get to see him. Of course, you know, they aged him as they should because he died as an older man. But um, I thought the CGI looked really good. Um, Now he doesn't talk. Unlike a young Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian, um, they don't even attempt speech, um, which I kind of thought was weird. I felt like they could have. I think someone probably could do an Egon voice. Someone could have voiced it. Or perhaps out of respect, they decided not to. They're like, yeah, the only person who can voice him is Harold Ramis, and since he's deceased, it's not possible. So he's having to communicate through uh, facial expressions, which it's CGI. And I thought they did a really good job. I was impressed with um with how they did but um with egon's help um they're able to hold gozer and then podcast is finally able to zap the stay puffed enough um to where trevor gets his going and he actually zaps the silos which give it the electricity they need uh to power up and activate the trap yeah and i was kind of like that was trevor's idea to shoot the capacitors to like power the the um the traps because you kind of see him look at that and he looks at the trap, you know, you like, you see him put it together. And I mean, I, I guess it was fine, but I would have liked to have seen maybe, um, either Egon, like point, point, point it out, or maybe have Phoebe well, say something. Personally, if I were Phoebe, when she discovers that there's traps there, she doesn't test it to make sure it's working. I thought that was kind of odd. She just assumes they're going to work. Yeah. She would have known that they need power. I, I don't know. That was kind of, that was a, another kind of gap in the, the writing or inconsistency with a character. I don't know why she wouldn't test it out. Yeah. But anyway, Gozer. So, and that's another thing. So was Gozer, because especially the second time I watched, I was trying to pay attention did, to see if they were, did they trap Gozer or did they trap 
enough um, energy that she was dispelled. Because I would think that they wouldn't be able to just trap Gozer. I mean, she's a god. So I think they're insinuating that she's trapped. Like, I think it was supposed to be a more permanent solution to the Gozer problem. And she didn't take on her form, her destructive form. She's in her god form. Um, you know, the old movie, the first one, she turns into the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Um, she doesn't have a chance to take on a form. She's just in her uh, Gozer form. So I think they trapped Gozer. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so that's the end of the movie. There's not really... There's not a whole lot of uh, epilogue with with these characters. Basically, you know, they it ends with them right there on the lawn of the of the um, farm. Just a moment where Egon yeah. basically gets to hug his daughter, and then he dissipates, so she gets to have closure. Basically, that he did actually love her. Um, so now she feels better about herself, and perhaps she won't be an alcoholic. Right, but literally, the movie just ends like right there. There's no. There's no. You know. It ends there on the lawn yeah. of the farmhouse. There's no follow-up. Uh, but there are two uh, credit scenes, like Mar- like a Marvel movie. Uh, one is, is a scene between Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver. And while it's really cool to see those characters back and interacting, does absolutely nothing for the story. I mean, it's literally, they're playing with the little shock machine that Vinkman has at the beginning of the first back, movie. Yeah. yeah. And the way in the psychic cards with the stars and the wavy lines and shit, shit. and it's re- I thought it was a really cool scene, but it had I mean nothing. It did nothing for the movie. It showed that Peter um, and um, Sigourney Weaver's character Dana uh, were still together. Well, you know, well, they also did that in the Ghostbusters too. So <laughs> we didn't really need that. And then uh, at the very end, there's a scene where Winston's bringing Ecto One back to the far- firehouse, which Ray said. At, uh, earlier in the movie that was a Starbucks. So yes, I know you I had that. you had a major problem with that. I don't like when... I feel like on a multi-million dollar production, someone should be in charge of continuity. Like, I just feel like those mistakes shouldn't be made. Unless Dan Aykroyd improv that scene and they had already filmed Winston's scene. Sometimes that does happen where an actor will improv and it doesn't really get changed or caught. But I always feel like there should be at least one person in charge of a set that's responsible well, for continuity. There was a lot, there was a lot of cuts on that phone call jumping between Ray and her. They could have easily left that out. Yeah. Yeah. I guess someone in editing kind of screwed that up, but um, we also like get introduced to Winston. He becomes this financial guru. Basically he's extremely wealthy. He's been paying for Ray's rent for the bookstore. He makes a comment, you know, one day it'll make a profit. So he basically covers Ray's rent, but we get the impression that Ray doesn't know about it. I think that's kind of weird. And I um, didn't get that impression. Really? It was no. kind of, it was, I don't know. It was weird to me. Why would Ray take money from, but um, his, the person who's talking to him while, while we're learning Janine. this is Janine. She has the lucky coin that she gave Egon. Um, in the old movies, but um, actually, we didn't see that. That's a deleted scene. Oh, that is a deleted yeah. scene. She gives him a. It's a. I think a coin from the new, new the World's Fair or yeah. something like that. And she's like, "It's my lucky coin." And Egon says something like, "Well, I don't believe in talismans or something like." I, I don't know. He says something, and she's like, "Well, I've got another." Or he goes, "No, I might not be coming back. I don't know if you want to give me that." And he's like, "She's like, it's okay. I've got another one at home." <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, it turns out Winston, you know, is um wealthy and he's basically been helping 
the other... Well, Peter doesn't need any help. Seems like he's doing fine on his own. But um, that's another thing that bothered me when I realized that Winston was still involved in the other guys' lives to an extent. Why wasn't he helping Egon? Or perhaps he was, because Janine may have been uh, helping pay Egon's bills with Winston's money. We don't really... We don't really know. That, that, that's an excellent idea. That's a good... Uh, that's a good ca- Well, it's not a catch, because it's never fleshed out. But it would explain why... Janine was talking to Winston. Uh, maybe there was some kind of uh, a financial help from Winston there. But again, why wasn't he helping more? Like, why wasn't he doing more to like... The actual Ghostbuster yeah. stuff, not just the money stuff. But. So yeah, that, that's a that's a good... I like that. That's a good uh, rationalization for, for that. But yeah. Um, so this is... So remember earlier, way back at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> where I said um, how I... I I don't hate the 2016 Ghostbuster movie with the female cast. Like, I mean, a lot of people do. A lot of people like hate that movie with a passion. Um, and I said that I have an unpopular opinion about it because I think it's, you know, it's better than a lot of people think. And the reason, one of the reasons why I still think that it's not as bad as people think is because it was its own thing. Well, granted, the original cast was in it. Uh, it doesn't mess with their story. It's a brand new story, brand new Ghostbusters, brand new world. And now we've got a new OG Ghostbuster film set in the original universe. And what did it do? It screwed up their lives. Like Egon and Ray were mad at each other and at each other's throats. The Ghostbusters were broken up. You know, everybody thought Egon was crazy. And it screwed up with the characters that I know and love from the past. 2016 version didn't. There's brand new characters. I don't give a shit about them. You know, some of the stuff they said was funny. I enjoyed the idea that there was a human uh, that was bringing forth the ghost. I thought that was an original idea. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I hold that movie in as high, which I don't hold it in high regard. Don't get me wrong. It's not a great movie, but it's it's not as bad as everybody says it is because it didn't screw with the original Ghostbusters. It screwed it screwed its own self. <laughs> That's true. If you're going to have a movie and people have dubbed this new Ghostbusters as nothing but a fan service movie, if that was true and it is it is to an extent, if it was really true though, they wouldn't show us such horrible lives for the characters we love because at the end of Ghostbusters, you know, everything was in the best possible place. Um, much like Star Wars at the end of Return of the Jedi. You know, they had won the day. They're now going to live happily ever after. And then when they introduce The Force Awakens, the three characters that we love all have had horrible lives. Like the last 25, 30 years has been awful for them. Why do I... I don't want to know that. I want happily ever after. That that was... I, that is something I didn't enjoy. I was just like, oh my God, nothing but pain. Like, they didn't keep in contact with each other even. Well, here's a... At the beginning of Ghostbusters 2, they were broken up. They weren't Ghostbusters anymore. Ray and Winston were, like, doing kids' parties. Uh, Peter had a TV show. Peter was probably the most successful out of all, any of them. And then Egon was doing research, God knows where, maybe on his daughter. I don't know. Uh, but... Again, you know, it's like, okay, so they had to come together for Ghostbusters 2 in the Ghostbusters 2. So they had to, I don't know what it is about sequels, but they just feel like they have to. Yeah, but Ghostbusters 2, I never got the impression they were angry at each other. No. Or that, yeah. They they just, were, the business failed. Yeah, exactly. Ghosts dried up, basically. Yeah. But um, this one, it was, 
learning the how poor well i mean winston apparently has had a pretty decent life but he didn't have his best friends around him yeah you're right it, it is kind of uh a stab in the eye to what we loved as kids like it took our childhood you know favorite movies and just like here let me just gouge yeah. your eyes out here uh give you some pain because uh, yeah you're right force awakens was oh my god it's like why don't but you just i i liked um I like the new characters. Mm-hmm. I, li- I liked uh, Phoebe. I like podcast. I like Trevor and Lucky. For what I saw of her, she was okay. I think she smirked too much, but you know, I, I had no problem with them. I wasn't like, oh, these new characters suck. I think podcast is the ray of, of this group, you know, and you can tell. And yeah, it, definitely. I mean, you can tell. That's what they were going for. Obviously, Phoebe's Egon uh, didn't get Vinkman vibes from Trevor. Uh, I think maybe there's a couple of scenes where they're trying to do that, where he, you know, like where I he says his humor was a little bit more dry. Like, yeah, uh, I didn't, I didn't get, he just wasn't as, he wasn't the showman that Vinkman is. Yeah. You know? Um, so here's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I made this analogy the other day and you were like, it blew your mind. Mm. So I'm going to describe a movie to you and you tell me what movie I'm describing. <clears throat> so a, group of uh new characters in an intellectual property are who who embody um traits of the original characters come together they uh discover things about the past involving the original characters they discover the vehicle that the original characters used to run around in and have adventures in they take over that vehicle and have adventures. Then they face a threat that is almost the exact same threat that the original characters faced in the original movie. What movie am I describing? The force awakens and, and ghostbusters after they are the same movie. They are <laughs> the exact same movie. Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't really put it together. I mean, I saw that, Oh, they're, they're re- they're extending something I enjoyed as a child, but I didn't quite put it together. You're right. How similar Force Awakens and Ghostbusters Afterlife is. They're, they basically took the Force Awakens and they just inserted Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I thought the Force Awakens, out of the new trilogy, was the best. Um, I, I didn't like to see it. But, I, again, I, I agree with you. I didn't. They shouldn't have killed off Hansel, Han Solo. Uh, but I know... I knew that Harrison Ford had wanted that character to die for a while, so he probably wouldn't have. He wanted to try and, yeah, yeah, Empire. So, I think it was Return. No, he wanted to die in the was Carbonite it? Empire. Was it? Uh-huh. I don't remember that. Anyway, I, I just felt that uh, th- those movies are just, they're the same movies, just with a different different intellectual, intellectual property. Intellectual? Yeah, intellectual. That's, <laughs> that's my Southern coming out. Intellectual. <laughs> So basically, go see it, enjoy it for what it is. Um, you're probably going to be like us, and you can't help but nitpick here and there. But as just a movie, just to sit down and watch and see some of the characters you did love, um, yeah, just enjoy it and try not to think about it too much. You know what though? I've watched, I've watched and listened to a couple of reviews at, since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, post post viewing, and I have yet to see or listen to one where. Somebody is bitching about the the Ray Egon thing, where they're like, "Why didn't Ray? Why wouldn't Ray believe?" I have not heard anybody mention that. Maybe there's somebody out there that is, and I just haven't come across a review. Um, but I have not seen anything resembling my major complaint 
with the movie. Um, but I did, I did enjoy the movie. I'm glad I went to see it. I, you know, I went to see it twice. Granted, I didn't pay for one of those times, but, um, I enjoyed the movie for what it was. I enjoyed the fan service. There was a lot of nods. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Easter eggs in there that I, I didn't catch. Uh, you know, there's a lot of little things in there. Like at one point, Phoebe opens the glove box on the Ecto one and like a Twinkie falls out, you know? So there's a lot of, a lot of little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Remember that from the first movie. And I love that stuff. Enjoyed it. Uh, the only major problem I had with the movie is the way they wrote, uh, the care, the OG characters and, and kind of their, uh, basically their disillusion and how they came, uh, came apart. Um, it would be interesting if they did a sequel, uh, to this movie and they fleshed it out a little bit more. And it turns out that the reason Egon and Ray were such at odds is because, um, Callie's mother was involved with Ray at one time or something like that, where they've split up over a woman, which I don't really see that happening either. Ghostbusters days of our lives. <laughs> but it makes more sense than Ray just going like, ghosts are coming back. Nah, that's no way. That... <laughs> you know what they need to make next? They need to make a new uh, Three Amigos. They need to make a, a, a Three Amigos uh, continuation. Wouldn't that be funny? Three or Amigos. <laughs> 30 years later. <laughs> Okay, well, I think we pretty much covered everything. Um, I definitely recommend you watch it, but um, like I said, don't don't expect it to have all your answers. Much like uh, The Force Awakens, it's not going to uh, solve all of our problems in life <laughs> and be on a silver platter. Um, you know what will be... solve all my problems? What? Batman. Batman. Yeah, Batman is going to solve all our problems come March. <laughs> Look for that review. <laughs> He's going to be drooling on Mike the whole time. If it's but good. If it's good, it'll be great. They're going to they're going to make Batman do something like completely out of character. It's just going to It's going to be like one second Batman's going to be like, "I love puppies." And I'm going to be like, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I hope you enjoyed uh enjoyed the I hope you've seen it. So maybe you'll notice things that we noticed and be like, Oh yeah, you're right. Or if you haven't seen it yet and you've just been spoiled for you, you can look for these things to see whether or not we remember it correctly. But no matter what, um, Ghostbusters is a wonderful franchise. One of the best things that was ever came out of the eighties was Ghostbusters. So, um, we should keep going for like another half hour and then our review will be just as long as the movie. <laughs> I can't believe we talked this long about it. this is one subject we can talk about yeah. for forever. Movies. <laughs> Have you noticed? We love movies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for sticking with us this long. And um, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, you know, like I said, a good movie, not a great movie, not on the level of the first one, but nothing ever will be ever. I don't think. It's not possible. Yeah. It's just not possible. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters is Ghostbusters. And it's going to be Ghostbusters. And there's never going to be another Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is A plus. This is a B minus. Agreed. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to let you go. Be safe out there. If you're interested in any cool Alaskwatch gear, you can head to the alaskwatchpodcast.com website and you can get a signed copy of my book, Abandoned, The History and Horror of Port Chatham. You can get some Alaskwatch t-shirts, books, magnets, anything like that that you want for you or someone you know that enjoys Alaska and Bigfoot. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later. Have a good night.